following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
my sin. My sin. It was my sin that sent Jesus to the cross. It was my sin. I'm responsible. I chose. I acted. My sin. The message of the cross of Jesus Christ carries a high demand that I am unable to accept unless I'm willing to recognize my sin and to turn and do the will of God. You cannot be forgiven of your sin unless you are also willing to be made righteous and holy. Repentance is more than a change of mind. It's more than turning around. It's more than going another direction. It is a complete change of every part of my life, of my heart. A man can go one day south. The next day he can turn and go north. Depending on what's controlling his mind and his heart, a person is always driven and always drawn by what he loves, by what he treasures. So today, please, Do not imagine that entrance into the kingdom of God is cheap or easy. The question of your eternal destiny is not a casual matter. Most of us have spent many hours, many days, wasting away our time and our life. We have not repented until our repentance has recognized that we have a life-threatening wound. Until that fourth stage terminal cancer, the wound until it has captured our minds, until it has defeated us, until it has taken the moral fight out of us. It's taken all the self-defense from us and wounded us near unto death. Until our repentance recognizes this desperate condition of our heart, we cannot repent. No person has repented until his repentance has truly become an awareness of his terminal wound. And you have not repented if you can still reason about your sin 
as long as you can say, oh, I'm trying. As, as long as you can say, you know, I have some things I have to work on in my life. As long as you can come and go. As long as you can reason about your sin, you have not yet recognized the wound enough to be able to really repent. Our awareness of sin, my sin, must get past our reasoning. It must actually get deep into our heart where we become aware that it was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross, then my sin will become in my soul a biting, binding, horrible thing that I will utterly hate with all my heart. Until you hate your sin, you cannot repent until you know what your sin cost Jesus Christ. You cannot repent. Unless you finally have been able to look in the mirror and say, it's my sin. I did it. I chose. No one forced me. I wasn't manipulated. I chose. I'm responsible until you're willing to recognize your responsibility before God, until you're willing to recognize that you are dying. A man I spoke to, terminal cancer, laughing and joking, laughing and joking. No seriousness about the fact that he was soon going to be at the judgment bar of God. He believes that his sin is covered and that when Jesus looks at him, he won't see his sin. He'll see himself. And when he dies, he believes that all of his sin will be taken away. So for this man, death has become his savior. And he doesn't he doesn't need to deal with the reality that it's that it's his sin that put Jesus on the cross and that Jesus came to remove that sin in its entirety from that man's heart so he can be casual about it he can laugh say i'm saved he's no more saved than the worst pagan He's utterly lost. And he's dumb about it. Deaf and dumb. It was my sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And it's my sin that will take me to hell if it is not removed from my heart and from my life. It is a horrible thing. My sin is a horrible thing. It is an ugly, wicked thing. I don't care how you dress it up. 
don't care how you pretend. You will face the judgment bar of God. And either you deal with your sin now, or you will deal with your sin at the judgment bar of God. Don't sentimentalize this gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't pretend that it's easy to slip into heaven. It's not. Until you come to terms with this giant, gaping wound in your heart that has been caused by sin, this terminal condition, until you deal with that, you're lost. Now, you can peter away your day looking at the internet, reading interesting books, doing your job, having fun with your family, but the time is passing. Understand, you have a very limited amount of time on this prison planet. Yes, this is a prison planet. You're not allowed to leave it. You will stay here on probation until it is the day of your judgment. And on the day of your judgment, you will be brought before a holy and righteous God. And if you are not holy and righteous, if your sins have not been forgiven and wiped away, you will be cast into hell. Now, this is sobering to me. It is my sin. Our awareness of sin must get past our reasoning ability. It must dig its way deep into our heart so that we can honestly face the fact that my sin nailed Jesus to the cross and that my sin will become in my soul something that is biting and binding, a horrible thing that will devour me if there is no avenue of escape. I'm here today to tell you there is an avenue of escape for you from your sin. But if you begin to reason about your sin, if you're not willing to understand the gravity of your situation, if you're unwilling to admit the danger that you are in and you cling to some empty preacher's prophecy about Jesus won't see your sin. He is a false prophet. He will see your sin. As long as you are hunting a place to hide, as long as you don't see that your sin has wounded you, and that you are looking yet for a way to enjoy your sin, then you surely will be lost. We have not in our day in America even begun to deal with the true condition of our hearts. If you are casual 
lukewarm. No burning fire in your heart for Jesus. No utterly giving over your life and sacrifice to him. If you want to just be happy, your happiness will be short-lived if you are not first holy. Holiness comes only by being made right with God, and only the blood of Jesus can make you right with heaven. Repentance is the road to holiness. But to travel that road, you must understand, you must know in the depths of your heart that you have suffered a deep, life-threatening wound. You must know that you are dying until that work of repentance is finished in your heart. And you have turned from every wicked thing until you are filled with the utter fullness of God. Your sin will cause you to die for eternity. Now in James, as he's writing to the church, the New Testament church, the church in Jerusalem, the fourth chapter, verse 7, Submit yourselves then to God. The word submit in the tense in which you find it in the Greek indicates that you are to give yourself over for God to do something in you. Now, please understand, you cannot get rid of your sin by your willpower. You cannot get rid of your sin by trying hard. Sin is something that must be dealt with by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is a supernatural work of grace. He does it in us. We come and submit ourselves to him. We come and put ourselves at his mercy. Submit yourselves then to God. So the first step is to come and say, Lord, I've been too casual about my sin. I say to people at the National Prayer Chapel, please, please know that the National Prayer Chapel is not a drop-in place of worship. It's not a place for you to come and just drop in when it's convenient for you to be there. If that's the way you are, then know that you're not serious about Jesus yet. Some people have been offended when I've said to them, look, this is not for you because this is not a drop-in center. If you want to come to the National Prayer Chapel, it means that you are literally taking up your cross and you're learning how to walk in repentance and holiness. And we share together. We come together to pray for one another. We encourage one another. We love one another. But it's not a drop-in place. 
It's not a place where you get up Sunday morning and say, yeah, where should we go? Well, you know what? Let's stop by the National Prayer Chapel. No, don't come. If you want to be a part of the National Prayer Chapel, you're welcome to visit once. After that, you have to decide. And if you want to be serious about Jesus, if you're ready to deal with my sin, willing to deal with your sin, and you want the blood of Jesus Christ to cover you, you want to walk in Jesus, you want to be filled with the utter fullness of Jesus, then come. See, he says, submit yourselves then to God. Submit yourselves, meaning give yourself over into the hand of God, just like you are. And he'll begin to deal with you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Now, please understand You cannot successfully resist the devil and cause him to flee from you if you are not first utterly, totally committed and submitted to God. James is giving us some very clear direction. I hear people casually say this, Oh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you while you walk in your sin. Are you kidding me? You can't make the devil flee from you because you say, I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. Get out of here. Are you kidding me? Really? That's not how it works. You must first make an utter, total commitment in your heart to deal with your sin by submitting yourself to God. When you are utterly clear, you are ready to deal with your sin. You are ready to be utterly sold out and follow Jesus. And your anger, you're willing to repent of your hatred toward God. You're willing to... You're willing to repent for the way you've treated people. You're willing to repent for how you've treated God. Submit yourselves then to God. And I said a moment ago, some men one day will go north and then the next day they'll turn around and go south. One day a man will say, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. And the next day he'll say, you know, but a man has to do what a man has to do and I've got to be about my business. That's not submitting yourselves to God. That's play-acting. That's pretending. Or a man says to me, Pastor, I just can't get past my alcohol. No, because you love your alcohol. Or you love your cigarettes. Or you love your drugs. Or you love your partner that you're fornicating with. Or you love the person you're living with that you're not married to. You're shacked up with them. Living in sin before a holy God without any willingness on your part to deal with the wickedness of what you have done and are doing. Or cheating, stealing, 
lying. You bring all of that and you submit it to God. And you let God go to work to totally transform you into a new creature. Then when you resist the devil, he'll know you're serious. And he will flee from you. The devil attacks consciously, in real time. The devil comes and tells a person, you're unworthy. God doesn't really love you. You're never going to be able to live a holy life. Forget it. He's a liar. He's a thief. He's a murderer. He was from the beginning. When you submit yourself to God and you say, God, please do in my life whatever you have to do, but make me holy. I want your will, not my will. And you begin to pray the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come on earth. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh, you're saying, Lord, I submit to you. Please come and do in my life all that you desire to do. I want your will to be done in my heart, even as your will is done in heaven. Lord, come. Deal with my sin. Deal with my sin. Deal with the coldness of my heart. Deal with the slowness of my heart. Oh God, deal with me. Until you begin to pray that way, you've not submitted yourself to God. The devil is not going to flee from you. He's going to have a heyday in your life. He's going to try to destroy you. Then Pastor James says, Come near to God. Whoa! Come near to God. Once you've submitted yourself to Him, and He's begun to do His work in you, the invitation is, Come closer. Come near to me, little one. Come near to me, repenting sinner. And then Pastor James says, And he will come near to you. The only way you can get God to come close to you is for you to submit to him and ask him to accomplish his will in your heart and deliberately choose to come near to him. Now, how do you come near to him? By taking responsibility for your sin and asking him to transform you and make you holy. You come near to God by honest confession. Lord, this is what I've done. This is what I've said. This is what I've thought. 
This is the pride that has driven me. This is the lust of my heart that has controlled me. Lord, I'm sorry. It was what I chose. But I come and submit myself to you and ask you, please, would you do your work in me? Will you give me an honest heart that I could resist the devil and he would flee from me? I come near to you, God. I talk to people sometimes who say, God is so far away from me. Pastor, why is God so far from me? I feel so dry. Can I tell you? It's because in some areas of your heart you've stopped submitting to God. And you haven't deliberately come near to Him. God will come near to any person who chooses to come near to God. We serve a God who is responsive, who is loving, who is kind, who is beyond merciful. Even when you're not moving toward him, he's calling you. Do you understand? God loves you even while you're in the midst of your sin and rebellion. God loves you. He has a plan for your life. If you will submit to him and give up your pride and honestly confess your sin before him, if you will turn from it by his power, by the power of the blood of Jesus, you can resist the devil successfully. He will flee from you, and you are welcome to come near to God. Now, Pastor James goes further. He says, wash your hands, you sinners. Wash your hands. The blood is there. The opportunity to confess your sin is there right now for you. He says, wash your hands. Does your hands, do they have blood on them? Did you have an abortion? Is there blood on your hands? Did you murder a baby? Have you been bitter and anger, angry with someone, and thus Jesus said you have already murdered them, you've killed them? Is there blood on your hand? Have you sinned against Almighty God? And your hands are filthy dirty because you've been going to that pornography. And you say, I'm not going to do it anymore till the next time. Go north, go south, go north, go south. He's saying, come and submit yourselves. Come near to God. Let God come near to you. And as God comes near to you, there's only going to be one thing you want, and that is to wash filth off of your hands from what you have touched 
and what you have done, and he will wash you. He will make you clean. He will forgive you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. What's he talking about? He's saying, look, you double-minded people, you come and you say, I want to serve you. And then you go out that week and you serve the devil. You're double-minded. You say, I don't want to do this pornography anymore. And then next thing you know, you're on the computer in the midst of pornography or you're on your cell phone looking at filthy images. You say, I don't want to lie anymore till the next time you're lying. I don't want to do this anymore. And then the next time you're drunk, double-minded. Pastor James is saying, Look, wash your hands. The blood is there. Recognize that you are a sinner and that Jesus wants to purify your heart. Don't be double-minded. See, that's why I'm saying today that, that you must come to Jesus in such a manner that the sin is seen as my sin. That the sin is seen as such a dirty, filthy, ugly, raw wound in my heart that I can't stand it another minute. I can't stand that angry, bitter spirit. I can't stand that wicked lust that rises up so quickly. I can't stand this in my heart anymore. I hate it. Then you come and you submit yourself to God. Because you know you have a terminal condition. You know you're dying. See, this is not casual stuff. Being saved is not easy. It's it's easy to be lost. It's hard to be saved. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Are only a few people going to be saved? Are only a few people going to be saved? Or he asked, Do you think those upon whom the tower of fell and killed some people and he said do you think they're worse sinners than you are if you don't repent the same thing's going to happen to you oh Pilate killed people and mixed their blood with the blood of their sacrifices Jesus said do you think they're worse sinners than than you are the sin issue has to be dealt with And he's saying, wash your hands, get clean. Now, he would not tell us that if it were not possible. If you could not, by the blood of Jesus, have your hands washed and made clean, if you could not have the sin washed away, then Pastor James would not be saying this to you. Verse 9. Grieve, mourn, 
whale. Change your laughter or change your gratification. Feel the pain of the wound of sin in your soul that you'll never go back to it. Until you feel the pain of your sin. Until sin is more than an idea to you. Until sin is that biting, painful agony of the heart when you see what it's doing to you, what it's doing to your family, and what it's doing to Jesus Christ, that it put him on the cross. Until you see your sin, you're not going to repent. says, turn your joy to gloom. Oh, pastor, you're just being doom and gloom. No, I'm not. I'm talking about a passage. I'm talking about a way where we come and submit ourselves to God, where God goes to work on us by his Holy Spirit and by the word as he quickens our heart. Coming near to God. Washing our hands. Purifying our hearts by obedience to Jesus as he comes in and changes us. Stop being double-minded. Grieving, mourning, wailing. Changing our gratification to mourning where we feel the pain of the agony of this sin that it caused Jesus on the cross. Turning the false joy into mourning, into gloom. Verse 10, he says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. He will lift you up. And he will change everything to joyous, rejoicing in the love and the glory and the forgiveness of our sins. Now, I know this to be true in my own experience. I know there is such a wondrous closeness with God that brings such joy to a person's heart where you sing songs of praise and you you read aloud the Psalms to Jesus with rejoicing in your heart that he has delivered you. Where you share with people the joy of Jesus Christ. You celebrate his wonderful deliverance from pornography, from alcohol, from sex addi- uh, addiction, from, from gossip, from pride. Oh, especially from pride. I think pride is the worst sin of all because a person can dress pride up in such religious clothes. A person can dress their pride up and make such wicked accusations against a brother or a sister and cut them off as though they were something and that person was something wicked before God. But God's the one every person answers to. 
pride blinds our eyes. Pride causes us not to be able to see the depth of our own wickedness before God. Pride causes us to be double-minded. Remember King Saul? He didn't wait for the offering to be made by Samuel. And Samuel rebuked him because he had tried to be the, the king priest. And that's reserved for Jesus. He's the king priest. Samuel rebuked him and said, The Lord will choose another one who will be faithful to his commands. And you're going to have the kingdom torn away from you. A little while later, his son goes out and starts the war with the Philistines. And the Philistines are defeated. But Saul, in his arrogance and pride, in his self-righteousness, even though rebuked by God, says, I'm putting every soldier under a curse that if you eat any food until I have avenged myself on my enemies, until I've done that, don't eat. So the soldiers were weak. They came together. Saul said, Bring the ephod. Let's find out if God will go with us as we pursue the Philistines through the night. There was no answer. He said, Someone has sinned in the camp. That's why God won't answer. So they cast lots. Comes up with Saul's son his precious son. And Saul says, tell us what you've done. And he said, you've made trouble for Israel today, Dad. All I did was reach out my spear and take a bit of honey and taste it. And it brightened my eyes. It gave me strength. And Saul says, you're going to die tonight because you broke the oath. The curse is upon you. And the soldier stood up and said, no, you're not going to kill him. He's the one who delivered us from the hand of the Philistines. And so Saul had to back down. See, it's easy to be so self-righteous that we'll kill even one of our own. While God's judgment is resting upon us because we have disobeyed the Lord. But we don't want to look at how we've disobeyed the Lord. We want to look at that person that we think is so wrong and judge them in our pride. Pastor James is saying, humble yourselves before the Lord. Humble your heart before the Lord and he will lift you up. I've known people who just absolutely will not humble their hearts. They've made their accusations. They've made their statements of judgment. They've done whatever they wanted to do. 
and they're right. Haven't you done that? I have. And the Lord has rebuked me. In his kindness, he's confronted me. He showed me where I was wrong. And he's had Pastor James say to me, Humble yourself, Ray Greenley. Humble yourself before the Lord. And he will lift you up. See verse 11. Brothers, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? He's saying, humble yourselves before the Lord. See, it's my sin. I'm responsible for my sin. I'm responsible for my pride. I'm responsible for my destruction of things precious to the Lord. I'm responsible for my words and my actions. And I must bring all of that and submit it unto the Lord God of heaven and make the decision that I will let him do whatever he needs to do with me to set right all the wrongs that I have done. Some of you today are convicted by this message. You know you are walking in sin. You know your heart has been filled with hardness and accusation and slander and pride. You know that. You know that you've been unwilling to get on your face and simply submit everything unto God. You know that Satan has been having his way in so many things in your life. And today you have to make a decision. Will you come near to God and let God come near to you? And will you choose in the blood of Jesus Christ to wash your hands? Will you let Jesus purify your hearts? Will you submit to God and confess honestly the condition of your heart today, the coldness, the hardness, the wickedness, Will you confess before God the condition of your heart? Will you look at how you have treated others and are treating them? Will you look honestly at the pride of your heart and submit that to God? Will you begin to set right what you have said and done? by confessing to others what you have said and done in hurting them? 
will you turn from your double-mindedness? Are you willing to grieve and mourn and to change your laughter to, to tears, your joy to gloom? Are you willing to humble yourself before God today? Are you willing that He should lift you up and that you cannot lift yourself up? Are you willing to submit your life unto Jesus Christ? Are you willing to submit your life and own your actions, own your sin, and recognize that it was my sin that put Jesus on the cross, that it's my sin that has hurt my brother and my sister, that it's my sin that has broken relationships, that it's my sin. I'm accountable before God. Are you willing to humble yourself before Jesus? And are you willing to trust that he will lift you up and establish you and fill your heart with joy and thanksgiving? and praise and glory unto Jesus. Almighty God, I utterly, totally, and completely submit myself unto you. I know it was my sin that put you on the cross. Jesus, 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 Jesus. It was my sin. Would you come, Lord? Would you come, Lord, and do your work, finishing it in my heart, that you could baptize me in the fullness of your Holy Spirit, emptying me out of everything and everyone that I've held on to in pride, forgiving those who have sinned against me, asking that they forgive me for my sins against them. Lord, I lay my life down before you. I submit to you, to whatever you must do. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'd like to hear from you. Would you write to me and tell me what Jesus is doing? You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
and I thank each one of you who has been so faithful in your giving. Your offerings cause me to weep before God because I know it's only as Jesus moves in your heart that we're able to stay on the air. This is totally by faith in Jesus. So write to me, National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come on a Sunday. The National Prayer Chapel is a place where we submit ourselves unto God and unto each other. Call me, 703-489-1785. 703-489-1785. Come when you're ready. I'm not going to try to convince you. It's about Jesus and submitting ourselves to Jesus. Thank you, my brother, my sister. I love you. I pray for you each day. Please pray for me. I'll talk to you soon. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory.